0: Hello, I'm Samy Ariane. I'm the founder of the Think Tank for Women in Business and Technology and the FemPeak platform with the mission of raising women's socioeconomic status. My guest in today's podcast is the wonderful Neil Godfrey, a New York Times best-selling author whose career spans from being the president of a bank to educating the public and even children on all things finance and money. Neil and I talk about why women have historically been less financially empowered and how to change that. We covered a lot of grounds in this conversation but I feel there's so much more to discuss so consider this the first part of the discussion. What I loved most about our chat was that we both shared some pretty personal stories from our past that I think many women would relate to. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Neil Guthrie. I thought to um, to ask you first things first. What are your thoughts over the years? You know, as you've been working on uh, you know so many areas within finance, what are your thoughts on the feminization of poverty? Like, why is it that we have it? And and it just seems like even when we when it's not the case, it's like unless a woman marries uh, into money, right? So so it's like the way to women to not have that level of, um, you know, poverty is if they marry into money. So what is the historical root, would you say, you know, from your observation over the years? Why do you think that has happened?
1: I think it's a a cultural basis of of all of this poverty. And and Somi, it's a great question because In the Mideast and in other countries, women are actually, in Africa, women are actually owned. They are chattel of men. So when you're owned, which connotes a form of slavery, and you're not permitted to have assets, and if your husband, who is supposed to be the provider, dies, you are then given to the next of kin in terms of the Mm -hmm. male. And in fact, you're supposed to produce a male child. Um, to keep that line of the new line going. Um, That's historically, obviously, if she's not allowed to own assets, that connotes poverty. In the West, with our puritanical, Lutheran-based, Catholic origins, it was very much that money is evil. And that men, again, are supposed to be the breadwinner. Women are supposed to have the role of raising the children. Do not worry about money is what has been told. And frankly, polite people don't talk about money. It was really something that historically was inbred. I mean, there's something that in the New Testament that says it's easier for camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven so by definition money was always bad money issues were given also to the people in society to handle who were not revered which in this case happened to be the jewish population because you know they were not christian they were given the the jobs to handle money And that was always deemed to be like the bad stuff, like that's money is dirty. So when you've got women who are disempowered and not permitted to talk about money, to handle money, who were put on an allowance, who were given money and told what to do with it. And then the other side of the world where you're actually owned by someone, of course there's poverty. Of course there's a feeling of disempowerment. And it goes generationally. And even in today's world, you will hear it said, oh, you're a woman, you're not good with money. Oh, you're a woman, you shouldn't be good at math. Oh, you're a woman. It's like, what are you kidding? And it's still not talked about. This is why I created the topic of teaching our kids about money in the 1980s, because we have to stop this cycle.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the reason why I started with that question was because um, I was thinking that there's no point in trying to give people techniques on how to overcome, you know, their lack of uh financial literacy there's no point in doing the techniques if you haven't solved your problem with money right and mm-hmm. that's one of the things that happened with me i had to solve the problem you know I, I figured that i had problem with money the reason was that actually you talk about you know women being owned It's something that for people in the West, sometimes they feel like, oh, this is just like something on the news or, you know, like um, some kind of something that doesn't. But uh, it was actually the case with me. So I was forced to marry my cousin at the age of 17. Um, And then he said that because I lived in uh, the capital in Tehran and he wanted me to go to the north with him and live with him and his family. And he said that I'll lock you up until your hair is as white as your teeth well, that hasn't happened, you know, but this is the interesting point. He was only four months older than me. So at the time I was 17 and he was only four months older than me. So imagine how much this should be completely ingrained into someone's head that at the age of 17, they would say, you know, to, uh, the woman that, you know, you're, so he said, he he even brought my clothes, you know, and it was like, you need to wear this. I'm going to take you to the north. And when my mom was like, why are you forcing her to do something she doesn't want to do? She, he said, she's my wife. I, we say in Persian, it means like, I, I can't find the exact word, but it, it essentially means that I have the right to her right that I you know that that I own her right and um and I said well fuck that like and I tried to commit suicide you know it was like a big a drama I tried to throw myself in the uh, in the river I tried to throw myself out of the window you know, all those sort of things in order to mm, in, to convince my parents to let me not go into that marriage so we were like in Iran we have this Thing between which is like between engagement and a marriage. So you're technically owned by that person now, uh, but you're still living with your parents. So uh, so I, I managed to stop uh, it going through the full uh, you know the full thing, and then he was like trying to uh, get me pregnant so that. He knew that once I uh, once that happens, then uh, yeah, then there's no going back. And, and I was like trying to run away, <laughs> you know, not, not letting that happen. So there was. So that was one part. Of it, the other one, part was, and and I. You see, I think that every time I look at it from whatever angle I look at it, it seems like it keeps coming back to uh, religion. Because uh, you know, in when you look at you know, in for example, in uh, Muslim countries, they have these big shrines of um, imams, right? And and uh, people go in and they uh, you know they do this. They call it like you vow to God, you know, or you you um, ask. Uh, god for something right and then there's this concept of they put money in there right and it's in japan japanese culture i don't know if it is like i don't know to what degree is in i don't think in protestantism they have something like that but do
1: do they they do because they collect money yes and there's almost a shaming yeah because a basket is passed And everybody looks in as it's passed. And if you don't take money and put Mm -hmm. it in, you are therefore, you know, shamed. So the answer. Yes. And it's public. It's not as if it's a private.
0: Yeah. It's the same in our culture. It was the same where it is public, right? You go into this massive shrine and people are putting money in and they're like, you know, praying to God or praying to the imam or whatever, but they're putting money. in. It's kind of like, there's like a bribing culture, uh, you know, and it's like as if you're bribing God or bribing the the imams or
1: whatever, the Pope. And think about that. I mean, think about connecting those two. Now, Charity is built into all the religions, Yeah, more so in some of the Western religions than than Eastern, that that, that's just the way it works, that you have to give in the Old Testament and the Torah, 10% is something that you must tithe, you must give. And it moved into the New Testament. In some of the Mid-East religions, I'm not sure in in terms of Muslim, if you have to give. Yes, you do.
0: There's two different kinds. There's one is called homes, which means you have to give, I think it's one-tenth or uh, one-fifth. I can't remember what that, the word, I think. And And then there's another one called zakat, which means like you have to... I think give whatever you can you know especially you're supposed to give it to your to people around you that you know so the homes one i think that's the one that you pay to the government like uh, so so you don't or to the imam you know like you don't pay it to uh, poor people be yourself um so that one is actually counted for whereas the other one is like you are supposed to give charity to uh, from you know from your own so, uh, so yeah, these are, there is the same. So, so there is, so it's interesting, right? Because there is the fact that, okay, as a woman, you're not supposed to also, for example, in our in culture, as a woman, you're not uh, allowed to become an imam. There's no female imam, right? Um, and I think you look. There's still not a female pope, <laughs> you know. But but then when you look at the amount of wealth in Vatican, in you know, uh, going into you know all sorts of uh, everywhere you look. When you look at the grandeur of the beautiful architecture of uh, you know churches um, and chapels and things like that, you look at like. That's money, a lot of money has gone into that, right? And then the flip side of that is that in addition to money going to these places, also these places where before there were any kind of university, these were the places where it was also the place of knowledge, where knowledge was captured, right? And women stayed out of it. Like for example, in our country. Um, you know my, my birth gaji is like they say that a woman is not even supposed to step foot into a uh, step foot, is that right? <laughs> yes, into a mosque uh, during her period. That's a quarter of a woman's life, you know, not supposed to even go there. Um, so you're, you're kept out of a place of knowledge
1: and money and, and power. The flip side is, is that hey, you're taken care of, so you don't have to worry. That was always the thing. You don't have to worry. Well, you know, as the world goes on, the fact of the matter is this disempowerment. And remember, then the the moms raise their kids that way. And it does get to be part of your DNA. We know that now. We know that's why there's a slave mentality with a lot of, of the Black people because they were slaves in our country for 400 years. So, you know, we know that DNA is passed on, even if there aren't words. And and that's why it's like, exactly like you said, we've got to work on two things at the same time, the head, also the heart, but also I do believe simultaneously if you give women the techniques to let them be empowered, to have them understand Wait a minute. That's all I need to know. That's it. I mean, this is the big, you know, this is why it's so mystifying. And if I had known this, if I had known this, which goes back to your education, I can do this. And then as soon as they're empowered, we find out they're actually better with money than men. When you look at the developing nations and they have micro loans, the women pay them back. Yes. At a higher rate than men. They feel that responsibility. Again, the head, the heart, and the technique. I can do this. I can be empowered. The other thing that I work with women on is that a lot of women are abused because they have nowhere to go. They can't say, I'm out of here because they're economically dependent. But when you have that economic independence, you can actually stand up to him and say, I will not starve to death, nor will my children, and I'm out of here. And now you start, you start breaking that cycle. I mean, you really did it yourself. Yeah, let me tell you another story. So basically, after
0: the thing with my cousin, then my parents were so ashamed of having a young divorcee at home, even though I wasn't technically even married, like, because we were, like I said, we have something in between engagement and marriage. So I hadn't even moved to my husband's house yet. Right. So we, we never had a wedding, but, um, according to, you know, that culture, I was now a divorcee at the age of 18. Right. And, uh, my parents were so, did, did you have sex with him? Yes. But uh, yes, but it was like I didn't even know whether it happened or not. You know, like it was like basically, right, but
1: I mean does that consummate, does that
0: mean then yes? Will,
1: yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. On.
0: But then like we hadn't properly gotten married yet, but still based on you know the religion now, like because they have this thing, uh, so crazy. It's kind of like the man needs. So, you must applaud. <laughs> okay. So, then what happened uh, was that my parents said, We don't want to have a young divorce at home. They put a lot of pressure on me to get married again. Uh, so that I wouldn't stay at home, right? So then I, I met someone uh, who was a tour guide at the time, and also I, I was a tour guide and, uh, for, for European tourists coming to Iran. So he was a lot more open-minded and stuff, but you know we were too young and we weren't ready to be married and stuff. But here's what happened. Then I got a, a job at the a Dutch embassy in uh, Tehran, and I, all of a sudden I started to earn a lot more money than him and also than both of my parents combined. You know, I was earning three times as much as my both my parents because I was earning dollars, right? And what happened was that you know, the guy, that I was now married to, but uh, it was a boyfriend, right? It wasn't forced this one, but it was in a way forced because we weren't ready. You know, we were just, it's like, you can't have a boyfriend. You have to get married, you know? So um, we were only like 21. You know, I wasn't really ready for any of that. So we move into a house with each other and uh, I go out one day and I buy. And so we had this oven that it had like an electric thing in it, uh, like a trigger, but it wasn't working. So what did I do? I went out to the shops and I bought a lighter and I brought back the lighter to try and switch it on. And then he said, why did you buy a lighter? Look." consider I'm earning five times as much as he is, right? So uh, he was like, why did you buy a lighter? I said, well, this thing wasn't working, so I just can't bear having to do that. So he was like, but you didn't need to buy a lighter. Who do you think you are that you think that you can spend money like that? I said, excuse me, I earned the money. You know, it's not your money. And he was like, what do you mean it's not my money? Like we are living together and you know, you're just spending money on things that is not necessary. so can you believe that I, that led to he he then started beating me. And, oh God! And he, he picked up uh, uh you know like slides plastic slides that people wear you know by the pool right he, he was wearing one of those slides so he picked up his slide, I've never said this openly uh, publicly, now it's gonna be on the podcast, but essentially he st- picked up the slide and he tried to, uh, and he speaks English, he might even one day hear this uh, podcast, you know? So he picked up the, the slide and I was trying to protect my face. So I was just like covering my face as, as I was trying to get away from him. And he hit me so hard that, uh, my, my hand was like, I thought it was broken. So it, it was swollen. So once he calmed down and everything, I went to the hospital to get my hands checked. And then on my way back, as I was coming, I was like, okay, this is the end of it. Like, it just crossed the line that I'm, I can. Before that, he was being, you know, verbally abusive, starting to be more and more, right? So what did I do? I came back and I was like, uh, I didn't say anything. He was a tour guide, so he was traveling. He was, I knew he was going to travel like the next couple of days. I didn't say anything. I just let him go. And then I spoke to his parents, he, well, he, to his father, who has actually recently passed away, spoke to his father and I said, look, I'm divorcing your, your son. But one thing that I had learned from my initial experience with my cousin was that in Iran, many women don't know that at the time of getting married, you can let go of your dowry. Like you can say, I don't want any diary but instead i want the right to divorce which means that you can divorce a man anytime you want without any reason you know and many many women don't know that because it's like something that but you know i was savvy and i figured that out so i had gotten him to sign that document and i said i don't want any money anything but i want to be able to divorce you anytime i want so he he goes on uh, on his tour and uh, i talked to his father and i said I'm sending you all of his things. I put all of his stuff in a, in a van. I changed the locks. And he came back and he wanted to get in. And I didn't let him in. And I said, I'm sorry, I've divorced you. Finished. In three days. In three days, I did it.
1: <laughs> you know? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But think about this. He had it still in his DNA of being yes. a an Russian. And even though he appeared to be more Western and to be more open because he spoke different languages and it looked like he traveled and it looked like he still had it yes. embedded in his DNA that he owned you. You were chattel, he could he could hit you. He could do whatever he wanted. And, and, and- keep control of my money, right?
0: <laughs> you know, and let me tell you something this still happens even in the west it still happens like i i recently had a date with somebody who was meant who mentioned that you know like even if i don't make as much money as my wife i want to be the leader in my household and i want to have a say on you know what happens with the money and in my book if you don't bring the money you don't get
1: to say (laughs) you know Well, it's interesting that you said that because with me and I was raised by a mother who she was divorced and she raised three girls to be very independent and to make sure you always have a salary and to make sure you could support yourself. But when I got divorced from my first husband and I was president of a bank at that point, he was a lawyer, but I was more successful. And without even skipping a beat, She said, well, of course he wants to leave you. You earn more money than he does. I was like, what? Look how you raised me. I mean, that just came out of your mouth. So it's exactly what you're saying, Somi. It's it's built in to our structure. It's like, are you kidding? The man has to be more successful? I mean, that's, you know, this is the old stuff burping up and bubbling up.
0: So the difficulty is that my generation, you know, I'm an older millennial, younger millennials, older millennials, you know, Gen Xers, but especially millennials, I really think we are the last Kind of breathing space you know in, in that uh, in that area and it's like our generation it has to deal with that right and i'm hoping that maybe our generation maybe even generations that it may be that you know they may still have some remnants of that but now there's the question then what does that do to uh the relationship space because a lot of women then will back down because they don't want to mess up their relationship, right? So it's a then uh, feminization of poverty continues.
1: No question. And it's the fear, it's based on a whole lot of things that come up. Um, there are definitely more millennials, there are definitely more you know, Gen Zers and the next generations that are coming up that are going to be independent. However, Women still earn less than men. Women still drop out of the workforce to raise the children. And it's way harder to get back into... Especially with technology moving so fast. Of course, you've been out of the workplace. I mean, you know, they have whole programs of trying to reintegrate these people in, but it's very hard if you've been out for 10 years. The world changed in 10 years. There's nothing technologically... When you went in to when, you know, when you left and coming back. So women are still behind. And I don't care whether you're a millennial or a Gen Z. It still is that way. And there is gender parity gap. I mean, in in terms of pay gap. And as long as women are going to be behind, they're never going to be able to catch up. In our country, we have more women unemployed with the, the pandemic, there's still two or three million women who have not been able to get back into the workforce. That's right, that's right. But okay, one
0: thing that maybe I'm hoping to kind of get across with FEMPIC and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that is that I really wanna get the message across that it's up to us, right? And we need to do something about that. Because if we wait for governments and organizations, nothing will happen, nothing will change. This is the way it is. But look, I mean, I've managed to change my life uh, completely, you know. Now I support my parents, my brother and sister. I support, like, I, I pay for all of their, you know, insurances and, like, you know, all of their, like, all of their stuff, right? And I'm one person. I, I came to the UK with no family. I have no family here. And, you know, I employ... Now around 10, 12 people, you know, so there are a bunch of people that I have to pay every month and I'm building a pretty big business, you know? So where did that come from? Like, you know, people say, oh, women don't have a network. Well, create a network. I created my own network, right?
1: I agree with you. Change it, declare it, change it and do it. And you're living proof of that. You don't have to live your history. No, Uh, yes. Yes. Let's change it. And that's why you have Peak. I mean, that's exactly why you have this company. Yes. Make sure that there's a place, that there is a network, that there is a home, that there is a place that you can get trusted advice from people who've been there, done that, changed their trajectory, did their vision board and changed their life. And that's the point. You are not necessarily having to live out your history. I want to know, did you get married again? Did you-
0: I to uh, yeah, know. one more time uh, I did when I came to the UK, but again, that was like, so I never got married for the right reason. <laughs> you know, it was like always the first two was like that, you know, kind of forced the situation. And, uh, the other one was like, uh, I came to the UK as a student and I was in two minds uh, about whether to ask for asylum or not, because I couldn't go back anyway, because of all the political issues and I had a death metal band, you know, all sorts of things. So, um, so I was really in a position that I could ask for asylum, but, uh, at the time I was working in TV. So I, I got a two year post study visa. So I was working in TV. Uh, and And my visa was running out and my boss had the opportunity to uh sponsor me but he didn't uh and uh, because he was like oh you're already you know you have a boyfriend he's English you're already living together and the guy was like you know like very nice person and everything but you know he he was always like the kind of person who was always asking me for money and you know uh, like uh, needing help with with rent and things like that so he was like okay yeah you need a visa you know we are already living together and my boss was like you're already living together so he. that's why I recently uh, sponsored, uh, my, um, you know, my colleague Lola, I sponsored her. I spent, I spent quite a lot of money to bring her to the UK because I don't want her to go through what I went through, you know, right. that to be pushed into something just because, you know, you're in that position where somebody needs help with rent and you're like, you know, we were more like, uh, really, we should have been more of a, like friends and, and
1: housemates. Right. Once again, you're forced into a situation.
0: Yeah, and I tried to make it work. I got a cat, you know, I, I, I tried to, I gave it a try, but you know, I, I just wasn't like, look at where I am now. I mean, I would have never been able to build what I, what I built. And then after that, I, I went into a relationship with somebody for five years, who was very, very, very successful. Like, you know, one of the top people in the country in his field. But even then, he didn't want me like, to have that trajectory. He was like, I want somebody who is going to be here. Uh, you know, I, I got uh, invited to Japan to give a talk for eight minutes. I, I, they flew me to Japan with business class travels, stay in the best hotel with the Scottish national you know, rugby team. Uh, and then I was supposed to come back and go to Prague to do a, a debate with somebody from Minister Foreign Affairs. But he was like, I just want somebody who's going to be here.
1: Right, right.
0: So, so, so it's like okay. I've chosen to go out with somebody who is 17 years older, has two kids, so that I can. So, and he's successful, so he's not gonna worry about me being successful. But it turns out that and he was like, oh, and then I'm, uh, I'm a lot older, and you're gonna go to conferences and you're gonna meet people. You're gonna get bored with me. Uh, turns out that he was already seeing somebody, so it wasn't about me getting more, right? But, but th- what that goes to show is that I really feel like as a woman tries to uh, find success and get, you know, more financial independence, it just doesn't fly too well with, with men.
1: <laughs> There's no question. It's funny that you said that because I had um, in between one of the marriages this wonderful relationship with this really successful, crazy guy in England. And he loved the idea I was a bank president and he loved the idea and he would fly me all over and I would be doing my own thing. Like you said, I would fly over to whatever for a conference and a speech and a, you know, and then it was actually what he wanted. He loved the idea of having, you know, somebody attractive and, famous and all this other crap, but what he really wanted is, I want you there for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to a polo match at Windsor Castle. I actually want you there. And I'm like, I have a board meeting. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but yours is not as important. No, mine's. I'm, I'm running a public corporation in the United States of America. I am having a board meeting and that's not important. No, no, no. We've been invited by the Queen excuse me. And this is what kept happening. And then I woke up to, you know what? It's not about that. It's about that. I'm cool. And in some way, make him cooler because he can date this cool person. But it wasn't about me. He wasn't supportive. I thought he was supportive, but it wasn't.
0: Exactly the same. Like basically I was, I was going to every work event for, you know, for my ex-partner but um it was like my things were never as important like i got i got a book deal you know he was like oh they're not paying you enough if, why Is why right. what's the point of writing a book if you know there's not a massive advance and, and i was like well it's a very reputable you know company and, and it's
1: a very worthwhile uh, exactly. book to run no no 100 percent. i call it the Pressel syndrome that we as women turn ourselves into, you know, the pretzel that, that is bent, that there's a pretzel over here that it's German, but it's, you know, a pretzel that, and I call it the pretzel syndrome, that what we want to do is no matter how we go into a relationship. And I've had three of them in terms of marriages and divorces that we turn ourselves into a pretzel and I still do it. And I see myself, I should make him happy. I should be there for him. I should make sure his needs. I can do this. I can do that. And you know what? I'm done. I'm done with that. I would love somebody to be part of my life, but I refuse to lose my life.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so when, as I was going through that breakup, I was listening to, I remember listening to a book about self-esteem because I was like, at the time, it was really affecting me, you know, and, I, and there's this uh, sentence that I never forget. And that was the gentleman said, the desire for a sense of community is understandable, but to purchase that at the price of the self-esteem is to create a new kind of loneliness. And that's exactly what was happening to me because I felt like I was lonely, right? And actually now I don't feel lonely because now I am, you know, on my own and I love it. And it's up to me how I play with my time, you know? And and right now my focus is Fembeek, you know, I'm building that. But the truth is that for me, it's okay. And also I studied philosophy, right? I'm I'm a philosopher. I think I'm a solitary person, you know, I'm realizing more and more that I actually really enjoy being alone because I can think, you know, the thoughts the things that I develop uh, alone. But not every woman wants that or not every person wants that. Most people want to be in a relationship. So where I find myself when it comes to the question of finance and relationship is that I feel like we are at a crossroad in history where we need to redefine a paradigm where there's no precedence. There is no previous time in history that we can go back to okay people say that yeah there was a time that women used to be like very successful and run uh, you know big uh, armies or whatever i mean i don't know how true they are and maybe even if they are true they are not prevalent enough that they haven't been there's not been enough of a role model or precedence for it right so we are in this situation similar to think about the four minute mile for many many years we thought it was impossible then one person broke it and then other people uh, were able to do it in a short amount of time so we are in a similar situation with women and finance and you know this question of what is what is the right balance because on the on the other hand like you say you know it goes into your DNA it goes into your g- genes uh, that you are questioning yourself almost you know like you're questioning yourself in, in a way that but like for example I'm a, I consider myself an alpha, woman but I like an alpha man you know I like somebody who is fiery and and feisty like myself but somebody an alpha man who can take an alpha woman many of the alpha men think that they can take an alpha woman but they can't right they don't like the competition and they don't like no and my ex told me he said that we are too similar it was like we are too similar You know, um, and to me, that was good to him. It wasn't good. So that goes to show, right? So what happens then is that many alpha women are going to have to, I don't like, I don't know if this is the right term to use, but date down, you know, (laughs) you know? And and I think, I don't like that, (laughs) you know? Then you end up, you're like, I'd rather be alone than date down.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting too, because I I have tried to appreciate some of my friends who have such an overwhelming need to be coupled Mm -hmm. that they're willing to give up integrity and, and everything else to do this. And I'm like, I had a friend who committed suicide because her husband had left. I mean, an accomplished, accomplished woman, educated, accomplished. And because she couldn't, she literally couldn't bear the fact that this had happened. And I was like, oh my God. And I don't understand it. And I know I don't understand it, but I know that also what I need to do is work with people like you to be able to empower the women who want to be able to be empowered. You have to want to do it. You have to want, and it doesn't mean that you can't have a partner. It doesn't mean that you can't, but you have to look within yourself, like what you're saying, what makes you happy? It's okay, because you're alone does not mean you're lonely. I live yeah. alone, I'm not lonely. And people assume, oh my God, you're alone. I
0: know, I had. Uh, I was giving a talk uh, on Clubhouse and I mentioned that I've made a decision not to have family. And uh, the gentleman who was running the event said, it's, a, it's such a tragic decision, I'm so sorry. I was like, I love it, <laughs>
1: what are you talking about? Made a conscious decision. And it's interesting because I made the other conscious decision. I was hellbent on being a mother. I was pregnant for 11 years. I lost nine children. Wow. I have two. knockwood. they're healthy, but both of them were supposed to die. So I was on the other end of it in terms mm-hmm. of this is what I want to do. And you know what? Forget it. Because everyone said to me, every doctor, everyone what are you crazy? You're going to keep, yeah, I'm going to, until I get what I want, but it's just as valid as your decision. Yeah. I don't want kids and it's a conscious decision and I don't have to. Yeah. It's not that this is my, my right. The other thing is I'm a big proponent with women. If you want a kid, do not wait for the coupling part. These are separate decisions, because frankly, as far as I'm concerned, we're all single mothers anyway, and you better have that mindset in terms of, you know, this ideal male that's going to be the father and the like. I mean, come on, all right? I mean, that's like ridiculous. So my thing is separate those decisions. You want a kid, go have a kid. Very you know. interesting. Yes. Why? Why would you connect those those things? but make it consciously, don't just find yourself on that path. You're I think doing- that's, the, that's the key message here, is that
0: uh, how can we empower women to think consciously, decide consciously, decide for themselves, right? That not to allow society to, or even their genes, you know, like our genes are dictating things, right? Like even this whole thing of me preferring alpha male, it's, it's probably a genetic thing, right? Uh, Or also partly because my father wasn't an alpha man and and my mother was the alpha in the home. And I always looked at that and I I always thought that my father was a weak person and I didn't like it, you know, And, and, and I felt like he didn't support my mom. My mom was working so hard, you know, to correct his mistakes, even though I don't have a relationship, good relationship with either of them. I had more respect for my mother. And I always thought, I don't want a man that's like my father, you know, so could be, you know, a combination of all those things, who knows, you know, there's so many complex things, but that's probably still dictating, you know, a, a level of my psyche and and just knowing that um, empowers you to, to then think, you know what, I think right now where I am, it makes sense for me to be alone. I, I just, this is what I want and maybe I will always want. That. Right. And, uh, you know, I can completely, I imagine myself um, being 70, 80, 90, 100, um, you know, still being very, very, very successful and, you know, being very productive, helping make things happen in the world. I'm not alone. I'm doing things. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, connecting with humans. And, you know, sometimes those are a lot more uh, fulfilling than a relationship where you end up fighting quite a lot. <laughs>
1: Well, it's interesting, too, because I had never been alone. I had gone from my home, and then I got married right after college at age 21, you know, that minute. And I was scared, as independent as I was, and i have never admitted this to anyone, but I might as well admit it to you. And here I was, you know, one of the first female executives in banking, president of a bank, all this stuff. And then at that point, mother of two kids, and then all of a sudden found myself alone. And I was petrified, so me, I didn't think that I could be alone. I, I literally like held on to his ankles begging him to stay. And then he left. I mean, he was cheating on me. I, I was the only one who didn't get that memo. But anyway, then all of a sudden I was alone. And I thought, wow. This is nice. <laughs> nice. I get to make my decisions. I don't have to worry about his emotion. I don't have to worry about him getting upset. I don't have to worry. And it was like, come on, kids. We are going to design a life. And I had these two little ones. And it was like, what's important to me? I want to travel. I want to educate you. I want to do this. Is what? And it was like, woo. I don't have to consult anyone if I want to buy something. It's my money. I earned it. I, I created a life and it was like, I'm loving this. I am loving this. And I think it's coming to that too and making that decision and then trying it on to see how it fits. And it felt good. It was very freeing, very freeing. And I think that's what you're trying to do with peak to let yes. people look at themselves, look inward, and then start to design and then do it just Try it and do it and not to have that fear. But they need some of the lessons. They need to know that they can do it. They need a support structure. They need you, Somi, to be able to say, hey, you have a safe, non-judgmental place that you can come to.
0: Yeah. That's what and- we are finding. What we're finding that people are, I think that the number one thing that we are providing on top of, you know, the whole uh, concept of what we're building, the ecosystem that we're building. One of the things that I'm super passionate about, i doing a lot of research on right now, I'm, I'm thinking about how can we use blockchain technology to provide microfinance, you know, all, all those sorts of things that I'm, I'm, you know, looking at the long-term vision of building, but the number one thing that we are finding is just women are really loving being able to have a safe space to share uh, their thoughts and and their uh, concerns and the level of transparency that i i start with myself and then everybody else all the other partners, you know we are all yeah you know, being this level of transparency that you don't get in typical media you know yeah you know, like when you go on uh, social media most of the time people are just they're putting on a mask, you know, presenting themselves in a way that's like everybody looking
1: at them thinking, oh, you know, that's so amazing. Well, think about it. Social media is built for everyone to sit there and show the cool stuff that they're doing. And by definition, it means you're not doing cool stuff. Look what I'm eating. Look where I'm going. Look who I'm hanging out with. Look, I mean, think about that. So it's it's a platform for upsmanship to show what a cool life you have. It has nothing to do with peeling the curtain away to find out what's really inside, what's really going on. It's just to show how cool you are. You know, I mean, you don't post something that isn't cool on Instagram or Facebook. You you do it to show how cool you are. And that you're, and TikTok, I mean, you're doing, you're being cool. And it has nothing to do with who you are. You know, it's upsmanship, it's bragging. That's all it is. No one posts, wow, I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm afraid to take charge of my finances. I don't know what to do. I don't, no one posts anything like that. No one sits there with a document from the government going, I don't know what to do. I don't know my rights. I don't know. It's just like you said, you found that law in- in Yeah, it was like a loophole, right? <laughs> right, It's it's like- you know, if something like that were shared, think about that. But that's not bragging. That's saying, I have something. And that's what Peak is about. I have something that I want to share with you. And I've been there. And I like the idea of Peak with multi-generations. Because we can learn from the older generations um, who've done it, who've been there. I mean, obviously, I'm one of them. Um, but it's not any different. The toys are different. The communication's different. But the feelings aren't different. The insecurities aren't different. The the challenges aren't different. That never changes. All the changes is the window dressing on top of it. And we need to learn, you know, from the last generations who've been through it. Even, you know, look at your mom. You said she's alpha. Well, in that society, alpha is not revered. No,
0: but she saved the family. You know, as much as we have disagreements, she saved the family. My dad could have gone to jail because he made some mistakes. He lost people's money and uh, they never had money. You know, there was money was always a big issue in the household. But my mom worked uh, extremely long hours and, and kept it going. So, yeah, absolutely. But she she didn't ask anyone for permission. She did her own thing.
1: He did it. And that's the point. She didn't ask for for permission, but she also did it out of necessity. But she, there was something inside her who said, "I can do this, and and I have to do this. I have to do this because I will save my family." Yeah. But there's still that nagging tradition. You know, my daughter needs to be married. What will people think? What will the neighbors think? What will the you know who all this? what will others think? Think about how much our life is based upon what will others think? It's crazy. It's actually, even to this
0: day, you know, as I left the country, everybody thought that I left with my second husband, but I didn't. And nobody knew. I didn't care. I I, I said to my mom, just tell people. And she said, no, I can't tell anybody. (laughs) So to this day, you know, they, they, uh, sometimes when I call her, yeah, which is not very often, but if I call her, she's like, oh yeah, so, so, and so auntie is here. And, and,
1: uh, she says hi and says hi to your husband. Like which one? <laughs> Pick one. Same thing happened to me. I was living with my then boyfriend who became my husband during college. And my mother made me, and I was paying for my own college. I put myself through college. I had to get a dorm room even though I was living with him because if anyone in the family or friends wanted to send me a letter, she needed to say to them, I was living in a dorm and not living with him. Are you kidding? And that's in America. (laughs) And that's America. And then with the second husband, which by the way, I woke up really quickly. I was married for nine months and told him I'm done with you. He was a gold digger. That's another whole story. And I got rid of him. We were, my mother and I were actually in England visiting friends. And she said to me, don't tell them you're divorced. Just tell them you're still married. You don't have to talk about it, but just say you're still married. Mom, I'm divorced. No, it's, you know what we're going, she's telling me this as we're walking into their home, just, just, you know, just say that you're married. I never told them. It's like, America. America. This is not Iran. This is America. And so I was just saying, right? It's the same crap. It's the baggage that we carry. It is the baggage that we carry. And we have to look at that baggage. We have to analyze that baggage and decide what to keep and let the rest go. Let it go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, we talked today about mostly around, you know, changing the mindset part, right? And I'd love to talk to you again uh, another day properly. But before we wrap up for today, I wanted to ask you where you see the impact of technology because it's a whole other topic and we will have another <laughs> session and we can talk about that because this is yeah. massive, right? But I feel like as a tech philosopher, you know, I'm a big proponent of technology Uh, Of course, you know, there's good things and bad things about all of these things. And and ultimately, to me, I feel like technology isn't bad. It's it's exposed our badness, (laughs) you know. It it, it exposed what we really are, right? My biggest worry with technology is that there is a chance for women to actually fall behind even more. Uh, And that's really worrying, right? Unless they catch up very quickly But unfortunately, when you look at social media, when you look at, you know, uh, the cultural uh, shift is nowhere near happening, even, uh, you know, mainstream media, it's still keeping women very much behind. Like, I don't see that many women thinking about how technology could impact their uh, finances in a better way. So, for example, right now, governments are printing money, right, left and center, right there, uh, and we are going to see a massive... Infl- inflation women have already been out of work for uh, you know they've been um, on average a lot more furloughed than uh, men so it means that uh, you know they're going to be losing jobs there's uh, already most of the jobs out there are technology based you know any jobs that's left is technology based and majority of them um, women i haven't caught on to that they haven't caught on to uh cryptocurrency, you know, that's another, another uh, place where, uh, you know, where, I, I mean, I, I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts on that, but I'm a big fan of it. And I feel like it's one way that we can overcome this inflation, uh, uh, situation, because it's one way that we can protect ourselves. Uh, and, uh, of course the governments are going to try and, uh, limit it as much as possible, you know, but ultimately I think there's, there's definitely, a a way that uh, it could, it could really help women, you know, build some form of um, security for their future. Because if you leave money in the bank, even the stock market, it's all going to lose value. It's constantly losing value. So my worry is that women are going to be left behind once again. And this time it will be so hard to do anything about it. So we are on a deadline.
1: Yeah, I would love to do a show with you on the electronics and on the technology and on blockchain and on cryptocurrencies. I would love to. And I lecture about cryptocurrency and and how to use it and what it is. I don't disagree with you that the new mail thing in our country certainly is you know, the ghouls of the world, those guys who sit around are guys. They've got their men buns. They're very young, but the women are not welcome at the table. Now, there are two things. One, that the women are certainly kept out of that technology. But the other part is, is that women haven't kept up either for whatever reason that is. They have not gotten the education. They've not forced themselves. I you know, teach or I'm part of Columbia Graduate School of Business. I mean, this is top of the top in our country in terms of these people. I cannot tell you how few women are getting their MBAs to go into the technical side. And when they do have those internships at Google and they're sitting there and they feel like the one left out, the guys are doing guy bumps and they're doing all this stuff. And once again, they're they're kept out of it. Same way I felt. When I went into the financial world in 1972, when there were no women executives in banking in the world, none, I was one of the first. And I was always the outsider. So the question is, are you going to beat yourself into through that gate to be part and be on the other side? The other thing I want to talk to you about later is the use of crypto and when it makes sense, and when it doesn't, and why women are reluctant. Because I have a theory on why women are reluctant about that, which may... Oh, may I'd not. love to hear that. Because we're basically risk adverse. Women want... Money for women is a tool. I want it to be there when I need it. not my report card. It's not how I value myself. It's not that I earn more money that I'm cooler. And I'm not saying that we don't have an ego involved, but it's not our report card. It's not, I'm cooler than you because I make more money. it, It doesn't work like that for us. Men are about betting and winning and risk, and it doesn't matter. And they're willing to throw themselves out there. And they will, they don't understand any more about crypto than women do. It's just that they think it's cool they want the latest device. They want the latest electronics. They want the, the latest fiat currency. They want the latest. So why is it that I'm like that?
0: You know, and, and my ex used to say, you must have been a bloke in another life. You know, so like people tell me that. Yeah, oh. you would have been a
1: man in another life. But <laughs> it's, it's fine. There are a lot of women who are like you in terms of willing to throw yourself out there. Personally, I'm not. I, uh, to me it's an asset class it's a long-term play it's not something that you can go buy
0: yes but it is long-term play but it's so important i feel like the problem is that it's going to be so valuable over the next decade potentially that it will be too hard to catch up to it
1: but you have to like a stock. When Microsoft started, there were 20 companies that started in exactly the same business as Microsoft. None of them exist. You would have to pick Microsoft to be a billionaire today.
0: But this is like I always give this example of I think I said the joke on that day you know that God was like <laughs> I've said this joke so many times and God was like you know this woman said that why don't I win the lottery and God said can you just do me a favor and buy a lottery ticket exactly buy a lottery ticket and I think you can you can have an educated guess right like we can see where things are going right now
1: and they're beginning to develop indexed funds that hold a lot of different crypto. So you don't have to guess the right one. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin or, or, or you know, any of them or, you know, dodgy coin. It, you can buy a basket of them. You just have to know that it's an asset class in a different type of fiat currency. All currency is fiat. Our dollars are fiat. We made it up. We made that value up. It's not- basic. I know,
0: but the beauty of- for example, Bitcoin, is that the value is not made up. Like it's, the, it's similar to gold, but yeah, it's limited. It's truly limited.
1: It's, it's made up just because you're manufacturing it and you're mining it. It's still made up. It is made up. Yeah, but it is limited, right? This is, this is well, the beauty deal. What happens though, no one's figured out when Bitcoin hits 24 and they are out in terms of mining, they have to open up a new series that's all they're not going to say that's the end of it it's the end of bitcoin there's going to be bitcoin 2 and bitcoin 3 now there's another problem with them in terms of the amount of electricity literally for the computing power that you need to create it yeah it's... that
0: is something that that's being worked
1: on it's stupid okay
0: but but, but oh, you think but... about the fact that you know like uh, all of our banking system. Think about all of these banks have so many buildings and have so many, you know, physical.
1: I don't disagree, but I don't want to play what about. We do that in politics here. I want to focus on what the problem is, not what about the other guys that are doing bad stuff. I'm with you. But as soon as we have quantum computing, which we're very close to real quantum computing, then all of that goes out. You know, you're not going to have the little miners all over the place, mining with their nodes, mining Bitcoin, because when you have quantum computing, it's instantaneous and you've then created all the mining that you can do and they will do it instantaneously.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, let's do another session on that because, you know, I have been doing so much. I I probably over the past Two, three years, I've, I've spent thousands of hours um, researching cryptocurrency. I, I have bought it, and it's something that I really care about. And even uh, one of the things that I'm researching right now is to create a cryptocurrency for Fanpeak that will be used for giving people microloans and help them. Because we are finding a lot of people that are coming into our platform. We are finding that they really need capital. Um, so it's something that uh, I think there's a lot oh, of
1: potential. I would love to talk to you about that and and work on the design. I would love to. That's very exciting. Yes, let's do that.
0: (laughs) This is the first time I said it openly, so it will be in the podcast. It's an ecosystem. That's why what we're building is an ecosystem. So we are going to be building our own marketplace, and we will have our own fan coin here.
1: I write for a whole number of magazines over in the United States, and one of them I write for, called Kiplinger, came to me and said, will you write an article of how a grandma can explain cryptocurrency to their grandchild and I said can do it and it was one of the most popular articles that ever came out oh perfect can you please send it to me yeah I will I'll send it to you and that's where we need to start so that we can engage right away especially women go whoops I don't understand that I now shut you down but the good news is that uh, we did a little poll from our uh, audience and
0: one of the questions they're asking is crypto versus stock market. Where should you
1: put your money? So, so it's good that people are asking that question. I love it. I love it. We just have to engage them and get them up. And then and as soon as you know the stuff and you make your own decisions, just like you want to buy gold, you don't want to go buy gold. You want to buy commodities, you know. In fact, I'm going to do with you guys, I want to do an investing seminar. And investing is not just stock, it's stocks and bonds and collectibles and Barbie dolls and crypto and oil and, you know, to start from the beginning. Because when you start getting engaged at that level, then you go, oh, Okay. I get it. Yeah. It's not that complex, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: I had to teach myself all those things. I watched a lot of courses on uh, everything to do with, you know, learning about investment 101. And of all the things that I studied, crypto was the thing that really attracted me because I can see the
1: potential for creating a whole new marketplace. It's an ecosystem. And, and you know, and part yeah, exactly. of that NFTs and other things that are yes. going to into it so yeah i'd love to talk to you about it it's awesome okay
0: so we will do a part two follow up you know there when i was growing up i didn't have any female role models i guess you know my mother in a weird way we had a very very difficult relationship with each other but um i guess in some ways i i did respect her but i didn't really have female role model. I don't consider my mom as my role model, um, because I disagree with her choice of husband, (laughs) you know, and, 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 uh, you know, many other things. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't have enough. Like all all of my role models in business are men, you know, like Ray Dalio, you know, Elon Musk, you know, like the people that I, I respect, you know. And in uh, philosophy, they're all male philosophers. In science, they're all male scientists, you know. Just there aren't enough role models. Because even, even when we, women do good things, we don't know their stories. Like Henrietta Levitt, right? Like everybody calls it the Hubble telescope. But really, she was the person behind all that success.
1: Absolutely. They don't get that kind of notoriety. I'm with you. That would be a lot of fun. And I think that, you know, Fempeak has that ability to break out and and say, hey, let's talk to those ones. We will do that.
0: Thank you so much, Neil. I will will look forward to having a follow-up conversation.
1: Love this. You're great. (laughs) Thank
0: you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Neil Godfrey. Do make sure to check out her work. She has written numerous books and articles on finance and money that you will find super helpful. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Somiarem podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. You can also find the full video of these conversations on my YouTube channel and connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Clubhouse at Somi. Finally, if you're not yet a member of Fempeak, head over to fempeak.ai, register and join a community that actively supports women's professional growth.